Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, uh, verses 24 through 33. And it goes like this. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about stories. Uh, and I'm going to start with a couple of facts that I want you to know. And one of them is a fact that I, I think you already know. And the other one is a fact that you'll probably disagree with me on, but that's okay. All right. So the first fact is this. Uh, most of you already know I have three children, right? They're six, four, and one. All right. Six, four, and one. The second fact that most of you will probably disagree with because you have your own spouse is that I have the best spouse in the entire world. All right. It's a fact. It's not an opinion. All right. I have the best spouse. And one of the things that makes my spouse the best spouse is that uh, she is insanely good with our children. Like, like born to be a mother. Good. And one of the things that she has always done with our girls uh, is teach them to love to read. Our girls love to read. If you ever babysit our children, you will find that you will spend most of your time reading books. And part of that love for reading comes from their nighttime routine. Uh, when the girls got a, a little bit older, especially the, the two older ones, when they got a little bit older, Aaron started doing something that she called their big girl routine. And uh, this is their pre-bedtime thing that they do every single night, all right? And so every night, each of the girls, which at this point, Amelia is still a little bit too small uh, to really, she participates, but not. And so uh, what she does is each girl gets to pick one book. So she does two books, right? Each girl gets to pick a book that they read before bed. And then after they've read those two books, each of the girls gets to then pick a song they sing, right? So they do two books and then they do two songs. And then... Uh, they do what, what our girls call their big girl story, which is where Aaron makes up a story on the spot. Uh, usually that story is about three little princesses, right? When dad does story time, it's about something different, and I get in trouble because there are no princesses in dad's stories. So they do two stories and two songs, and then Aaron makes up a story, and then they pray together. And then when, as, as Evelyn was getting ready for kindergarten this last year, Aaron had also added on to the end, they would count to 20 and then they would say all of the ABCs, right? So they did this every single night, every single night. 
Now, there were nights where it was got a little bit late, so we'd cut it short. You know, maybe we're only doing one story instead of two or one song instead of two. But every night, Aaron does this routine with the girls. Now, I typically uh, have meetings and other things going on at nighttime, so I don't get to be in on, on this routine very often. Uh, however, what I have learned is uh, when I do get to be in on it, dad always gets picked to be the storyteller, right? Not the, not the reading the story, but the making up the story, because I can make up a mean story, right? It may not involve princesses, at least not off the bat. I always try to find a way to circle back so they're not mad at me, uh, but I got to be pretty good at telling stories. I make up all these things, right? And, uh, and one of the most fun parts about the storytelling is that, of course, Aaron, Aaron is in the room as well. And so it's me and the girls and Aaron. And uh, so my stories are always really funny, right? That's what the girls like about my stories. I make them humorous. And um, I tend to act things out and everybody gets their own voice, right? And, uh, but what I normally do is I work some sort of subliminal message into the thing that I know Aaron will get, but the girls won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's super fun, right? So, so last night, last night, my, my story was about a giant dog, because if you don't know, we have a giant dog. Um, he is seven months old and 80 pounds, and um, he's going to be huge. But he has figured out that on our back gate, uh, it, our back gate, the where it's held on in the hinges is a little broken. So he's figured out that he can push himself, even at 80 pounds, he can push himself on the bottom of the gate, and it swings the gate out, and he can slip out right? So we have to watch him when we let him outside. Otherwise, our dog ends up everywhere. So last night, my story, it was great. It was about this dog that, um, that the king had let out to go to the potty before bed, and, uh, and he wasn't watching him, so he slipped out the back gate. And the girls thought this story was just hilarious, because I had the dog running all over town and greeting the neighbors and you name it. Uh, Aaron, meanwhile, took the subliminal message and went, oh, I should probably go let the dog back in, <laughs> right? So we tell these stories, right? And, and so we tell these stories, and sometimes they have these little messages. And Jesus, man, Jesus told stories. He told so many stories. He, he did a lot of his teaching in what we call parables, which are just stories, right? They're making these big, complicated things simple so we can understand them. And yet, as I read through the Gospels, you see again and again, the disciples and the other people who hear these stories, they don't get it, right? They don't get it. So what happens is Jesus will tell a parable and he'll tell a story. The kingdom of heaven is like, and he'll tell this great story. And, and half the people in attendance look at him and go, I don't get it. And then they just leave, right? Because if we're being honest, right? And this is an important point to make this morning. If we're being honest, choosing ignorance is easier, right? Choosing not to understand Jesus is way easier than putting in the work to understand him. Because if I put that work in, then I actually have to do something. It's easier to choose the ignorance. It's easier to hear Jesus say something and go, well, I don't get it, so I'm just going to walk away. But the disciples, they wanted to put the work in, right? The disciples wanted to put the work in. And so what the disciples would do, they, they were a little proud, if we're being honest, right? They're the disciples. And so they didn't want people to know that when Jesus told stories, they didn't get it. Because <laughs> they had a lot of moments where that happened to them too. And so what the disciples would do is Jesus would tell his story like he does in Matthew chapter 13. At the beginning of the chapter, he tells this great story of the parable of the sower about this farmer who, if we're being honest, is a terrible farmer because he just goes around throwing seeds wherever, right? And he says the farmer throws his seed everywhere and some, some lands on good soil, some lands on rocky soil, right? Some of it doesn't even take root because it's already gone, right? This is, this is not a good farmer, all right? So he's throwing the seed, throwing his seed everywhere. And so, of course, some people don't get it. And some of those people in this instance are the disciples, 
but the disciples are too proud to admit that they don't get it in front of the crowd, right? So what they do is they wait for the crowd to filter out, and then they go and sit with Jesus. You get to be Jesus today, Jason. Okay. <laughs> so they go sit with Jesus, and they say, so what was that about? Don't let them know, but what was that about? Right? And so he asks, what was that about? And so I thought to myself when I read this, I thought, man, Jesus, maybe Jesus is a terrible storyteller, right? Because he's telling these stories and people don't understand what's going on. Because I can tell you, when I'm, when I'm making up my story for Big Girl Routine, the girls know what's going on. I'm, a, I'm a not a bad storyteller. And so I thought to myself in this passage, I thought, man, maybe Jesus is a terrible storyteller. And I thought, well, that can't be it, right? Because he's Jesus. I don't, I don't think Jesus can be bad at something. Maybe he can. I don't know. In my head, he can't, right? He's perfect. So he's going to be a, a great storyteller. He has to be. So how is it? How is it that we get from people don't understand it to Jesus is a great storyteller? <laughs> that doesn't make sense in my head. And so I, started, so I started thinking about this. And I started jumping into these scripture. And the ones that we read today from Matthew 13, right? The parable of the, of the, of the weeds and the wheat, and it, and it struck me, it struck me what Jesus was doing with these stories. Because a lot of these stories Jesus tells his people are based on ideas that are kind of inflammatory. Jesus is telling stories about things that would tick people off if he just said it. <laughs> right? And in fact, there's a, there's a great quote, quote from N.T. Wright. He says, doesn't Jesus want everybody to get the message? Yes and no. What he is saying is such dynamite that it can't be said straightforwardly out in the streets. See, Jesus wants people to understand what the kingdom is about and what he is about. But he also knows that not everybody's going to get it. And not only that not everybody's going to get it, but that not everybody wants to get it. Not everybody truly wants to understand what it means to follow Jesus. Because that would mean we have to do something about it. It would mean that we have to, to live differently. In, in Jesus' case, right, you think about this, where, when Jesus is preaching, it means that an entire group of religious people who for centuries have, 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 have come around each other, around this law and around the temple and around, and around this lifestyle, right, it means that all of them suddenly have to do that differently. <laughs> That's hard to digest, because nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Nobody likes to be told that you got to take a different step. You got to go a different direction. Look, we're the church. If anybody hates change, it's us, right? The church is one of the worst places when it comes to change. And so Jesus is coming and saying, hey, look, you got to change. So I wonder, I wonder how much more quickly Jesus would have been crucified if he hadn't used parables. If he had just come in and said what he was thinking. Right? And let me, let me share with you an example. Let me, let's just look at the three parables that we read today. Right? The first one is the one of the weeds and the wheat. And what Jesus, in this parable, he says, look, this farmer goes out and he sows this, his wheat in the field and the enemy comes and he puts these weeds in there. And these weeds grow up. And now all of a sudden we have weeds and wheat both. And his, his, his workers are trying to figure out what do we do with that? Right? What Jesus is saying, right, when you're reading between the lines and you're getting his story, what he's saying is, the church of that time, right? The religion of that time. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to use the word church because that's our context, right? The church of that time had both wheat and weeds, 
right? God's people, some of God's people were wheat. They were producing fruit. They were choosing what was right. They were loving God, loving their neighbor, right? They were doing what is good and right in the kingdom. They were the wheat. But there were also people in that group who were weeds, who had no interest in doing the things of God. They were just there because they thought they ought to be, because they've always been there, because they've always done that thing, right? People who had really no interest in the kingdom. In fact, their interest was in destroying the kingdom. And it says that they were planted there by the enemy, right? Now, think about if Jesus had told this story. Jesus walks into our church, right? Jesus walks up here on stage and he says, some of you this morning are kingdom people and you're doing the right thing. And some of you are here because the devil made you come and you're trying to ruin everything we're doing. Now, most of you are probably going to look at me like, who the heck do you think you are, Right? Who do you think you are coming here telling me that some of us are wheat and some of us are weeds? Right? It's inflammatory. <laughs> right? It's going to get you in trouble if you just come in and say, now, and he's Jesus, so I have a suspicion he'd just start pointing fingers. <laughs> right? I know who the weeds are. It's you, 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 and you. I'm pointing down so I don't point at any of you, right? <laughs> right? So the wheat and the weeds, this is an inflammatory story. This would have ticked people off. And so naturally, the people who didn't want to get it, who didn't see it, they went, huh, I don't get it. And then they just left. And, and probably the people who did get it are going, whew, dodged a bullet there. <laughs> right? And he even says that at the, end of, at the end of time, the wheat is going to be saved, it's going to be put in the barn, and the, the weeds are going to be what? Burned. Right? In other words, some of you are going to make it, some of you aren't. <laughs> That's inflammatory. And then you look at the, these last two parables. They, they feel less inflammatory on the, on the surface, right? He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's like this little seed. It starts off super small, and we plant it, and it becomes this great tree. And the birds, birds are there, and that's what happens, right? The kingdom just grows so quickly. But what he's saying is that the kingdom of God, which at this point in his audience, his audience is not living within the kingdom. His audience that he's he's speaking to here is living within the religion that they've created. He's saying that the kingdom, the thing that I am starting, it might start small, but it's going to grow. <laughs> it's going to be huge. It's going to change the world, right? That's inflammatory. Why? Because they hate Jesus. They hate the thing he's trying to do. And he's saying, look, you may think it's small now, but you wait. <laughs> and then he talks about yeast, tells this story about the kingdom being like yeast that you work throughout the whole dough, right? In other words, uh, these people that you think are just these little insurgents and eventually they're going to go away, it isn't going to work like that. <laughs> these people of mine that are following me and, and, and bringing this, this renewal movement to the church, it's going to spread. <laughs> it's going to spread that you can't even separate it back out again. These are inflammatory things. These are things that would have ticked people off. And so Jesus tells stories. And those who want to get it, get it. They hear the story, right? Because I hear these stories and I, want to, and I want to get it. So I hear these stories and I'm encouraged. And I'm like, yes, the kingdom, which is so small, this little thing that I feel like is so small in my life, it's going to be huge because it's the kingdom, because it's of God. And I hear the, the piece about the yeast, and I'm like, yes. I was like, the good things, the, the, the following Jesus part, the stuff that I'm passionate about, that's the stuff that's going to spread. Yes. 
But if you're not interested in the kingdom stuff, these are the worst statements anybody's ever made. <laughs> because it means the stuff that you hate is going to become the standard. And so Jesus tells stories. And I think there's, there's two reasons. As I wrap up, there's two reasons Jesus tells stories. There are two things I want you to know. The first is this. Often when Jesus tells stories, he's telling stories to give us a choice. We talk a lot here about choices, right? Because God doesn't ever force us into anything. I wish he would, honestly. I wish he would just make us do stuff. But he doesn't force us into stuff, and so instead he gives us a choice, right? And so in this story, what we're left with in the ch is the choice. Are we wheat or are we the weeds? And, and the, the consideration we're supposed to think about in our lives is, which one am I? Which one am I right now, currently, today? Am I wheat that I'm, that I'm, that I'm producing fruit and I'm loving God and I'm loving my neighbor, I'm, I'm living into the kingdom, or am I the weed that is actively preventing the wheat from growing? Am I actively preventing God from doing what he's trying to do? Preventing the church from doing what they're trying to do? Which one am I? And Jesus often gives these choices, right? Think about the sheep and the goats. It's a similar choice. And if you think about, if you think about it this way, in, in Jesus' time, the goats were kind of the dumb ones, right? So what would happen is the shepherd would lead the sheep down the mountain, right? When they're, when they're going, they're going down the mountain. The sheep would follow the shepherd and he would guide them down in the safe way. But those goats... The goats were so stubborn-headed, so gung-ho, so independent. What they would do, straight down the mountain. Didn't matter where that shepherd went. Goat is going straight down no matter how dangerous it is, right? He didn't want to follow. He just wanted to go down. And so Jesus says, look, you, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats in the end, right? And it's again, it's that choice. He says, you get to decide. Do you want to be the sheep? Do you want to be the goat? Do you want to be the wheat? Do you want to be the weed? When he tells these stories, we get a choice. Do we embrace the mustard seed of the kingdom or not? Right? Do we bake the yeast in in our surroundings or not? We get to decide. We get to decide. But the second thing you need to know is this. I don't think Jesus is done telling stories. I don't think Jesus is done telling stories. I think Jesus is actively telling stories in your life right now. That the way he's working in your life is meant to be a story. That when you go to the grocery store and you run into that friend from high school that you haven't seen in 30 years, you go, and he goes, what's going on with you? You go, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> right? And it's the little things every day. Right? It's, it's the, the, the steps that were taken with Jesus. Right? Like, I can guarantee you I know what story Stephanie's telling for the next week. Right? It's these little things, it's these pieces of our lives with God that are meant to be our story. And it's Jesus who writes these stories and tells these stories. When we talk about evangelism in the church, that's what we're talking about. It's just, how's God at work in your life right now? That's what these stories are about, right? What's the kingdom of God like? What's the kingdom of God look like? It looks like, looks like people getting healed. Looks like people being set free. Looks like people taking their next steps with Jesus. Right? These are the stories. These are the stories we ought to be telling. And so you have a story, my friends. You have a story that Jesus is telling in your life. So I want you to think this week about what your story is. What is it that God's doing in you? And if the answer is nothing, then my goodness, come see me. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Be a part of the bigger story, right? Because God's writing this story not just in your life, but in the life of our church. Right? He's writing a story in our church right now. 
we get to choose whether we're a part of it or not. So my hope and my prayer this morning is that you would choose life. That you would choose to be wheat and not weed, sheep and not goat. Choose the way of Jesus. Let me pray. God, we're so grateful. So grateful that we even have the choice. Because if we're left to our own devices, God, my goodness, we are always the goat. We're always trying to go our own way and make our own way. And, and yet, God, you keep calling out to us. You keep beckoning us to come and to follow and to be. And so, God, I pray for those in, in this room and online with us who have never made the decision to be a sheep, to follow the shepherd, to follow the one person who knows where they're going. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts in this moment and draw them to you. And God, for those of us who have been living the God story, we're thankful for all the places we see you at work in our lives. And we're thankful that tomorrow is going to be a new day with new steps and a new story to tell. So God, give us a boldness this week as we consider our stories with you and help us to move, move, move to be the sheep, to be the wheat, to be part of the, the mustard seed of the kingdom. God, that's what we want to be a part of. Help us, God, to be active parts of your story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.